0: I love teaching what I'm teaching on, and we're going to continue in the book of Philippians. I haven't got out of the third chapter yet, and I'm going to continue there. So let me just launch into it, because i got uh, a lot to say, or the Word has a lot to say. And I'm starting from verse number 12 of Philippians chapter 3. and um, And let me just try to read the whole thing, and then go back and dissect some of it here. It says, Not that... I have already reached the goal or uh, am already fully mature. And uh, the King James, you recognize that as I'm already perfect, but Paul's talking about maturity here. Uh, he said, but I make every effort to take hold of it because I also have been given uh, or have been taken hold of by Christ. Um. Again, let me read it all. Brothers, I do not consider myself to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and reaching forward to what is ahead, I pursue as my goal the prize promised by God's heavenly call in Christ Jesus. Therefore, all who are mature should think this way. And if you think differently about anything, God will reveal this also to you. In any case, we should live up to whatever truth we have attained. Okay, join uh, 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 join in imitating me, brothers, and observe those things. Uh, 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 observe those who live according to the example you have in us. For I've often told you, and i say again with tears, that many live as enemies of the cross... The end is their destruction, their God is their stomach, their glory is their shame. They are focused on earthly things, but our citizenship is in heaven, from which uh, we also eagerly wait for a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. He will transform the body of our humble condition into the likeness of his glorious body by the power that enables uh, him to subject everything to himself an incredible incredible chapter uh or the ending of this chapter but let me let me just uh, start by talking about maturity uh paul um, is writing this in fact it's one of the last books uh epistles that he wrote uh the only epistles that he wrote after this was first and second timothy where you read where he said i'm ready to be offered i fought a good fight And he realizes, uh, uh, his end is at hand, but, but can you imagine if, if you were to ask, if I were to ask the question, what is spiritual maturity? What does it look like when you say, well, somebody's spiritually mature? Because obviously, uh, as he says through here, because we have been taken hold of by Christ, we've been, we've been called uh, there's an expectation of maturity in our lives. What does spiritual maturity look like and uh if you were to again look at through history and you 'd look at Paul at the end of his life, would you consider him spiritually mature? The man had uh God by the gift of God in his life had uh a revelation brought to the church. That we glean from every day through Him, that vessel, you know. But yet, uh, spiritual maturity truly is, is, is real humility. And, uh, the declaration that Paul makes is I'm not there yet. In other words, I'm not spiritually, I don't feel like I have already attained. I'm not to the place where I can say I'm here and I'm looking down on everybody else who needs to get to where I'm at. Spiritual maturity is understanding, I believe, that in this flesh we never arrive. That we're always striving. Have you ever met those people that are so spiritually superior to everybody else? You know, and, and, and what has happened and in the past, we, you may even looked up to people and said, oh man, you know, there, here's some superstar in, in the, in the church. And I'm going to tell you, there are none. There's only one and and we serve him and the gifts of God work through us and the spiritual maturity is um walking in true humility. I've said this before, but let me let me give it to you again. If you follow Paul's life, one of the earlier epistles were were uh Galatians. And so he's writing uh in the book of Galatians and he's telling the the event of him um uh the conversion and he, he's defending uh grace he's def- he, he's uh coming against the legalism that was trying to keep in uh uh this mixture of Judaism the law and grace and he's saying you can't do that you you got to you know the grace of God he he fulfilled the law all of these things well in it he's talking about his interaction with other in the church and the declaration in his early ministry is, they didn't add anything to me. And you can have a sense in it of this spiritual, uh, and I don't want to say spiritual pride, but let me say spiritual pride. This sense that I'm as good as anybody. And what, what happens, and thankfully so, when you are saved, when you come to a knowledge of God, and God sets you free from the world, you are a Somebody. There's no question and, you, and God needs to to literally free remember the ministry of the John the Baptist uh, Jesus said was to uh, or he declared it was to bring up every valley right and and bring down every mountain. in other words, there was and it wasn't he wasn't talking about the landscape he was talking about in the minds of men there were some people that were so spiritually superior. That they needed to be brought down to a place of reality. And there were others that were felt like they were of no value whatsoever that needed to be lifted up. Because you got to be in a certain place of value. If Christ died for you and you don't even know the value he places on you, it's almost impossible to receive. You got me there? Okay. So there's some of you that needed to be lifted up. There's others that needed to be taken down a notch. And what I did as a young man, man, I was going to go save the world. You know, man, God called me. I'm called in the ministry. And, and, and whatever the the Lord does for us, the enemy wants to take it. You know, first of all, he wants to keep you from faith, keep you from faith. But if if he's going to, you know, if he can't stop that, he's going to try to pervert what's going on in your life. Right? Man, you're somebody. Yes, I am somebody. Well then, your flesh takes that out. You're somebody. And you got, you get all lifted up like you're somebody. I'm somebody because Jesus values me and I know the value. I'm, I'm his favorite, all of those things. But true spiritual maturity, you know, when I, man, I could destroy somebody with the scripture. I knew it that well. That I'm, you know, I could just flat out, if, you know, I could blast them. They had nothing to say and I'd walk away saying, man, I showed them, didn't I? Anybody ever do that? And not have the, the maturity to know it was all about, I want to be right. Okay. I don't, I, honestly, where am I? Spiritual maturity. I don't need to be right. I don't need to be right. I just want, I just need to have a relationship with him. I don't have to be right about everything in my life. It, it, again, this isn't a competition. We leave the competition to the chili contest. Right? But this is not a competition. And, and so, so Paul gets in there. They didn't add anything to me as a, as a young convert. But he gets, uh, going in, in Philippians is towards the end of his ministry and, and uh, he makes the declaration that uh, um, I'm the least of all the saints. Okay. And then if you follow the progression uh, in Timothy he makes the declaration that I'm the chiefest of sinners. So the progression of spiritual maturity is a is a, a, a an identification of in humility of who we are. In, in other words, I look out here, and although my gifting is different than some, than probably most of you, my value. I don't, you know, when you realize the value God places on each and every one, there's no room for one to be lifted up in his self because the gifting's different. And so Paul's declaration about being spiritually mature, if you're going to be mature spiritually, it's going to be that there's humility. You know, and you're not going to walk around and say, look how mature I am. You know, but you're gonna walk with true humility. And Paul says, uh, to the, he said, not that I'm already there. I'm not already there. I'm not already there. None of us are already there. But you certainly can tell when somebody is so spiritually immature because they gotta be better than you are. And that's a, that's a place that we don't need to be. Uh, Or we're better than they are. Or they're better than you are. I, you know what? I, I don't I don't go for uh, we don't need that. Um, and what it does is it creates where there is strife uh and envy which spiritual immaturity can bring. Uh there's there's confusion and every evil work can be in that. And so Paul's saying, he said, I've you know I haven't reached the goal. I'm not already fully mature," he said. But I do uh, make every effort to take hold of it. Okay, uh, and and the idea of of what Paul's trying to uh, take a hold of, he says. Uh, let me let me read it again. Oops, as I really messed that up. Uh, he said, "I consider not myself to have taken hold of it, but this one thing I do." if you're if you're thinking of um the one thing you know how is it in, in my pursuit of spiritual life what is it the one thing there there is uh, uh, an absolute in our life that ought to be a a um almost like the instruction of of spiritual growth. And I, and I'm convinced it's what Paul says here. He says, uh, the one thing I do, forgetting what is behind. If you are going to grow and you're going to reach what God has for you, you cannot bring your past with it. It says, forgetting what is behind and reaching forward to what is ahead. I pursue as my goal, the prize promised by God's heavenly call in Christ Jesus. Here's the one thing Paul said, forgetting. Now, I'm going to tell you, Paul had a lot to forget. Think about it. Uh, What was Paul guilty of? Murder. Murder. Who did he murder? Christians. (laughs) Okay? So he's, you know, thinking he's doing right. And then God brings revelation and light shines on him and he realizes that he's destroying, uh, people that, that are living in what is true. And so do you think that brought him much pain? Do you think he had to forget that all the time? You think it's something that constantly warred him? That, and I'm talking about a spiritual warfare. Because if the enemy, believe me, uh, the enemy was thrilled to have Paul or Saul at that time on his side doing his bidding and, and trying to bring fear and all this stuff in the church. All of a sudden, Paul gets converted and he becomes this apostle. Do you think the enemy left him alone? Of course not. And so that constant look at your... And, and when he, even the declaration of being the chiefest of sinners... You know, did he come to all of this revelation because he was such a great guy? Absolutely not. But he said, this one thing I do, I forget those things that are behind. And so, uh the reality when you're looking at our failures, first of all, how many have known failure? You know, uh, again, in a covenant relationship, how many have not worked up? To your end of the covenant, how many of you feel like you failed? You know, and what is there, what is there that absolutely has to be? And let me say this, if you're living there and you're holding over your husband while well, you didn't do this or you didn't do that or you're holding over your wife, you, that, that's no way to live. You cannot go back. You can't go back. Can anybody go back a day and change anything? Right. The great thing about the perfect commitment and covenant that we have with Christ is he his mercies are new. The Bible says in Lamentations and listen to this. I live by this. It says uh because of the Lord's faithful love we do not perish, but his mercies never end and they are new every morning, great is your faithfulness. Okay? What happened yesterday? I I I can't go back there. I don't care what sci fi movie you watch. Okay? You cannot go back and change yesterday. Oh, I, I should have done that. I, regret, regret, regret. You can live your life in regret and 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 never press toward the goal that God has in your life. What do you regret? Well, there's decisions. I should have stayed in the Navy. I should have done this. You know, I should have gotten a better retirement. I should have, you, uh, you know, I wish I'd have been a better parent. I cannot change one thing in my past. And so what I can do is... Now, and, and forgetting, and there's a balance here, listen, what Paul is talking about and what the Spirit's talking about is not letting those things hold uh, um, power over you, okay? I'm not going to forget the lessons of my failures, right? I'm not going to be, well, okay, I, you know, I'm not going to forget those lessons and the pain that it brought me. I learned obedience by those things. But the reality of it is I am not going to sit here today and live in the reason, you, and people said, oh, you're so confident about, about, you know, who you are and your ministry and all those things. My confidence is in Christ. And, and the reality of it is, is I get up this morning and you know what? His mercies are new. He doesn't bring yesterday's failures into today. Do you, do you realize when the, and how many of you know the, the Scripture says this, be angry and sin not, right? Don't let what? The sun go down on your wrath. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath. You know why He declares that to us? Because that's who He is. Some of you think that God doesn't even keep His own word. Listen, if he said don't, if we in our human relationship don't let, okay, you know, man, you really ticked me off today. Some of you several times. Okay, but the reality of it is don't let the son go to husbands and wives. Don't, don't sit there and carry yesterday's argument over and over. That, that is a sign of absolute immaturity and selfishness. I've done that. Okay, then you snap out on like, whoa, you know, we used to, I used to fight about stuff I didn't even know what it was. It was so foolish. You know, and, and, and but the reality of it is, uh, uh, making sure at the end of the day, if you're ticked off about something, the Bible, we have this, uh, uh, word that says don't, don't, don't take it to bed with you. You know, you may not be the best of friends by the time you hit the sack, but at least you can make the declaration: "Hey, I'm not carrying today's anger into tomorrow's promise." And we do that. The reality of that: we live in this world, but but the the reality of it is that's true because God does not do that to you and I. Did you fail yesterday? Did you fail last week? Does God declare you to be a failure? Absolutely not. Why? Because His mercies are new every morning. And I can wake up in the morning and say, God, it's a new day. And I'm not trying to say that as some motivational speaker. I'm saying that it's real because His Word is true. And so yesterday's failure, yesterday's whatever it is, all of that stuff, uh, the, the sin of your life, the, the sin of your youth, the abuse in your life, all of those things you keep—if you keep carrying that into today, somewhere, sometime in your life, you got to realize to let that go. Well, I don't know how to let go of my past. Forgiveness is the. Absolute most powerful uh, 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 force for us to let go, forgiving others, and you know who you got to forgive the most? Sometimes yourself. You're able to forgive yourself, man. I, I I got no problem believing God will forgive me, but I, I walk around like I'm a jerk. Well, how, how can I walk and fulfill God's goal for my life if I'm walking around like I'm of no value? His mercies are new every morning. Think about that. Think about that when you judge other people. When you, you know, let's see, how much time have I got? Not much. Listen to this. That's why one of the first commandments says make no idols. Don't make an idol of him, right? Well, don't make an idol of each other. The season of my life that I was back then—that you know, there's some of you—you've got your spouse stuck in a, in in a, in, a, in a something that happened, and boom, that's who they are. Well, don't do that. Don't do that. God gives us—we're changing into His image so don't make an idol of ourselves. So so failure the other one thing but the other thing that is equally as dangerous to those that are in the kingdom of God is our success. This one thing I do forgetting those things which are behind. Okay? What happens when you're successful? Um you know, there's some people that they won life's lottery in in uh um, the business field or, you know, they got the great job and, you know, people I know that have retired at 45 years old or 50 years old, all of a sudden they get a pension the rest of their life. And I'm like, how did they do that? You know, and, and we can spiritually get to that place where I, we've been successful. If you look in a small community, uh, on, in the Adirondacks, we've done a pretty good job. Let me just pat myself on the back for a minute. Okay? This is a great church. This is a, uh, uh, honestly, I am convinced we have changed the spiritual atmosphere here. We have affected the community. All of these things. This is a great place. And the, uh, uh, the temptation is, let's just write it out. You know, let's just come on, man. We've been here. We, there ain't anybody put any more time in this. We're digging the footers. We're yeah. Uh, we we can yeah. These young work for snappers. They don't know what we gave and not, you know, all of that stuff. And we could we can hold on to even what the what we gave and the success of our life and and all of the things that and and just become complacent. And what's today? So, His mercies are new every morning, but so is the vision that He has for us. So is the goal. My God, man, I didn't want her starting a school at 55 years old. I didn't. I actually, I told her, I said, look, she's going on. I said, listen to me. I just, you gotta answer this question. Do you have to do this? Okay, uh, are we being interrupted real quick? You can do it real quick. Go, go, go. I don't know why. Who are you looking for? They're not in here, honey. They're in the other classroom. There you go. Uh, but the reality of it is, uh, um I, t- I asked her, I said, do you have to do this? Not do you get to do this, but is it something you, if you have to do it, then why? Because God's vision and goal is bigger than, right? You know, it, you get to the place, retirement, is that on the plane of God? Is it really? Honestly, look, look at it from the beginning. All the days of your life is what we're supposed to work. And, in the work of God, if, if you can get to that place, and I realize there's times where it, we're, we're gonna slow down, but the reality of it is, you for, you, uh, taking yesterday, man, I, how many of you know we built the YMCA? How many remember that? That was a ton of, that was two years of my life. I should start every service with, we built the YMCA! They never, I didn't even get a membership for that deal. (laughs) Seriously. Anyway, I'm not angry. (laughs) 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 Yeah, Yeah. but think about it. (laughs) Hey, ooh, no wonder I don't have a membership. But the truth of it is, there's a lot of things we've done and what do you do? God, as much as I give you my failures, I, my successes are yours also. And let me just let them be consumed. And, 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 and like the altar of sacrifice at, uh, you know, as you went through the tabernacle, there, there's that, you had to clean the ashes out. If you want a fresh fire in your life, you've got, you know, you gotta get in there and clean out. What's been burned up and, and, and the truth of the matter is my failures have been, uh, uh, cared for and, and destroyed at the cross. And do you live in the ashes of your failures it keeps you from living in the presence of God. And the same thing, any good thing that I have ever done the bill to build the ministry all of that stuff i didn't do that so i could say look you know so that you know in 20 years from now you put a picture of me on the in the foyer. founder whatever dates i didn't do it for that no i'm i, I, I the, the reality of it so for the glory of god people's lives have been touched all of these things and and let that be consumed as a sacrifice to him it was from him anyway, and so the reality when Paul said, "Forgetting those things which are behind," it's the good, the successes and the failures. All right, so here's one other thing I want out of this. It says, um, "He says I pursue the goal promised by God's heavenly calling in Christ Jesus." Therefore, uh, all of you who are mature should think this way, and if you think differently about anything, God will reveal it to you. How many know and thankful for God's revelation? But it goes on and it says this. In any case, we should live up to whatever truth we have attained. That ought to be for you and I a go-to scripture also. That we should live up to whatever truth we have attained. There are those around. First of all, uh, uh, defining truth. Truth is a person. It's Jesus Jesus said, I am the way the truth okay so all truth emanates it flows from him and and so to li- living up to whatever truth you have attained is is uh, understanding in the reality there are those you might that may not know things that you know or that may know more than you know. We live to what God's revealed. There are things that I've lived that God's revealed truth to, and I thought, God, how how did I ever live back there? Right? But you forget those things that are behind. Right? Thank God for that. But my point in this is there are people that are living less than all truth. Okay? There are other churches. Do we look at them with the evil eye? Say, what's the matter with you? Did we used to look at them with an evil eye? Yeah, and we weren't living in truth. Okay, remember, remember the Old Testament Old Testament or "Thank God for the truth." Come on, you never said that. I did, like revving up a chainsaw. And all it was was I'm better than you are. Now, thank God for truth. Thank God. That he's the way, the truth. There is there are truths that we just flat out that I I love. The real. Just because somebody sees it different doesn't mean I'm gonna get away from what's true is true. That that's just listen. Truth is more than um, you know what what we let me let me say it this way. All truth proceeds from him. Everything that's true. Math. Do you know math is God? His thoughts. That's true. Two plus two. That's not, oh, that's secular. No, that's the way he ordered the world. All of that stuff. There's some of that stuff I can't even think. But but the reality, all truth flows from Him, and so the doctrinal truths that we that we know and believe and and the oneness of God, all of those things that absolutely are foundational to us, to me. I don't know if they are to you. They are to me. I I, I can't go. I you know I got to live whatever truth God has revealed. That doesn't mean that I'm looking at somebody who thinks God is three separate persons. Saying you're a wacko. I'm not, I'm not saying that. Okay? What I believe is God will reveal himself to whoever he's gonna reveal himself to. And I don't have to fight about it. And I don't have to beat it like a drum every time you see me. I'm living the truth we have obtained. And, and so, uh, and I am being gracious to those who are not living, um, uh, in the truth that I know as i hope the people are being gracious to me than no more truth than i do no more about him have you changed in the past 5 years 10 years are the things that you used to believe that were true and finally god revealed wait a minute that's not me like you so paul here declaring to the church he said live in whatever truth you've obtained be there it's not a place where you say, well, that's all I ever need. No, there's a constant God's Word. We're constantly changing. He's constant revealing things, uh, to us. And, and, uh, we got to, uh, uh, rid ourselves of tradition that prevents us from what's true. And different things. So he, he, he that revelation is constant. And it goes on. Let me just, a couple more points and then. I'm almost finished here. Uh, He talks about, which is, in the the very next verse, he says, Join in imitating me, brothers, and observe those things, uh, or those who live according to the example you have in us. Join in imitating me. Who is he talking about imitating? Paul. All right. My question is, what would it look like if somebody imitated you? Right, Paul had the confidence to say, "Join in imitating." In other words, look at my life; let it be uh, um, uh, an example. You can you can follow me. You can follow the life I live. You can imitate who I am, and it's going to draw you near. And, and the truth of the matter is, you know, in our own lives, if, if you were to say to somebody, your coworker or whatever, what, what we do is you got to read this word, you got to read that word. And, and, and what God wants is us to live a life that could be imitated. What would it be? Somebody around you that knows you imitated your life. We are, the scripture says, Paul said to the church, he said, you are our epistles. Written. Not in s- tables of stone or in a tablet or, in pa- you know, on paper and ink. We are the word of God. We are that. Paul understood that. He said, imitate me. And our lives ought to be that reflection of who he is and uh, uh, to shine as he's declared us uh, to be his epistles. So he says, join in imitating me and observe those things and live according to the example uh, or, or observe those who live according to the example you have in us. He goes on to talk about people who are enemies of the cross. Um, that's such an incredibly deep thought. Somebody that's an enemy of the cross, it may not be what you think it is. Okay. The reality of it is there are those, and it goes on, it says their end is their destruction, their God is their stomach, their glory is their shame. They f- are focused on earthly things. It's, it's not Islam. And they may be an enemy of the cross, but it's not. It's those that focus on earthly things. There are those, and l- let me just put it out there again our salvation is the cross of Christ okay when you when you say the cross is not enough it's cross plus something you take away from that I, I my fear uh, for those that are not walking in what is true You know, some people may not believe, some people may have not experienced the new birth. Well, do you think we need that? Yes, we do. Yes, we do. But I'm telling you, if God's going to judge us based on the truth we obtained, I have more hope for them than somebody who thinks that the cross is not enough. Somebody who believes, man, if you don't live this legalistic life, that, that scares me. Is somehow the, you know, and I know the righteousness that we live, we live because he's gifted that to us. I understand that. But I say that because at one point in my life I thought, man, if you're not doing this and if you're not doing that and we, you, you heard it preached, but I'm here to tell you the cross is enough. I don't want to be an enemy of the cross. And it goes on, and, and this is where I want to end this tonight. It says, uh The focus being on earthly things or, as he says to the church, our citizenship is in heaven. What does that mean? That we're already, it's already there. It's already our citizenship. You know, yeah, we're Americans. We're, you know, we're going to vote in the election. I hope you're registered, all of that stuff. But I'm going to tell you something. My citizenship in heaven supersedes anything in this earth. And we are we are going to find out from every nation in the world God has called people, and it goes on from which he we all eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. He will transform the body of our humble condition into the likeness of His glorious body. the whole, The whole point of what we're going through is uh uh the the day that our change comes it's tough uh when we're thrown into the world that we're in and we're trying to take care of bills and raise kids and you know do all that we do to keep focused on a on a heavenly citizenship but i but i promise you uh spiritual maturity will cause you to do that and he he makes a declaration about our bodies being changed and our citizen our citizenship already there focusing on eternal things rather than earthly things you focus on earthly things and you will constantly constantly be in turmoil but let me let me read this for you um, and it 's a lengthy portion of scripture but uh the reality of it is there's a spiritual body i told you about a dream i had and then i saw somebody and um that literally just changed the way i think because what you are now and let me read it because it's just as profound it says but some will say and i'm reading from second corinthians or 1 Corinthians 15, but some will say, how are the dead raised? And what kind of body will they have when they come? Foolish one, what you sow does not come to life unless it dies. It says, and uh, as for what you sow, you are not sown the future body, but only the seed. Okay, what is that talking about? No, I don't know if you've walked in the woods, but acorns are all over the place. Doesn't look anything like an oak tree. What you are, it does not yet appear what we shall be. But there is a change that's coming. This dies, and what is revealed is absolutely profound. He goes on, he says, but God gives a body as he wants to each... One of the seeds, its own body. Not all flesh is the same flesh. They're flesh of humans, other animals, another for birds, another for fish. They're heavenly bodies, earthly bodies. But the splendor of the heavenly body is different from that of the earthly ones. There's splendor of the sun, moon, stars. One star differs from another. So is the resurrection. Listen to this. So is the resurrection of the dead. Sown in corruption, raised in incorruption. Sown in dishonor, raised in glory. Sown in weakness, raised in power. Okay, let me me read this again. Sown in corruption. Sown in dishonor. Sown in weakness. I, I... I don't. I don't want to be that, but that's what we are, right? But it's raised in, uh, in corruption, in glory, and in power. It's sown a natural body. It's raised a spiritual body. And I, I can't. I can't read the rest of it because I don't have time. But. He, I get down toward the end, he says, Brothers, I tell you, this flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, and corruption cannot inherit incorruption. Listen, I'm telling you a mystery. We will not all fall asleep, but we'll be changed in a moment, in the blink of an eye, at the last trump. For the trump will sound, the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we will be changed. For this corruptible must be clothed in incorruptibility and this mortal must be clothed with immortality. When this corruption is clothed with incorruptibility and this mortal is clothed with immortality then the saying that is written will take place. Death has been swallowed up in victory. So Paul in the the focusing on what Paul is declaring in in the chapter 3 of Philippians is What you see, it doesn't look like it did 20 years ago. You know, we have pictures, and now we got Facebook to mark off every moment of our life. But what I've watched is there is a decaying process that's taking place in our natural body. But I'm going to tell you, and again, I don't know why, but what I saw... What you will be, I just saw one of us, but what you already are in your spiritual being is, and I'm going to close, you know why when Paul said he saw some things were unlawful to utter? Do you ever see that? God showed him some things, he said they're unlawful to utter. You know, I'm, I'm going to tell you, it wasn't this vow that he took that God said you can't talk about that. Like you know, some super secret thing. There were no words to describe it. That's why it was unlawful. If it was lawful to utter, there would have been some way to describe this heavenly vision. And there are no. We are limited by our human language to describe what that is. That's why there's so much confusion about the Book of Revelation. He's trying to put it into things that he knows, but, but I'm telling you the things that I saw is absolutely, I, there's no words. And so the glory that God has to reveal in our lives, it's unlawful to utter because he doesn't have, we don't have the language to speak it. Forgetting those things that are behind and, and, and pressing forward. You know what? There is nothing that's been in your life or that will come in your life that can undo the power of the cross in your life. And what God has already, already done, it's not what you're going to be. I am convinced. I'm already there. That that new birth. It's already that that spiritual body's already. It just hasn't yet been revealed, but it's going to be. So, all right. Uh, questions or we'll pick it up next week. Anybody got a comment? That I covered so completely that you're speechless? Amen. Alright, let's pray. Father, thank you for your grace. We speak your goodness. Help us, God, even, uh, in our journey right now to forget those things that are behind. I speak that upon each and every one of us that, that we could press toward that glory that you have that yet to be revealed in our lives in this life and in the life to come. I speak your favor and your goodness today in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen.